named it. It's the Japan Wood Podcast, coming at you out of the back end of Tokyo, the armpit of Asia. It's Shinjuku Shinjuku-ku in the Toshihisa Studios. It's me, Matt Bigelow. Matthew, pmbigelow.com is where you can go to get all of your podcasting needs for the Japan Web Podcast. Article links, photos, and more. Matthew, pmbigelow.com. And I am having what you are having. And you have great taste, listener. You always do. It's one thing I can say about the listener. Listeners, let's be honest. There's more than one person listening. Mr. Listener and Mrs. Listener, always fantastic taste on, on your behalf. And we appreciate that. We, we do at the Japan Web Podcast. All right. We're going to go right into it today with uh, the hate read of the week. This is the Japan Web Podcast, a kind of weekly overview of what's happening in Japan. Sometimes it's connected to one week to the next week, or some things uh, come and go, as we will see today in our main feature. But as usual, we are going to take a look at a new product. And this comes to us from Sora News 24, the loathed site on this podcast and we don't like it and we hate read it every week um you know it has its own vibe i guess this one is let's begin spruce up your office with pikachu date stamps in various sizes and styles is your workplace just a boring, plain old... I hate read it, so that's how I'm reading it. Is your workplace just a boring, plain old office without any Pokemon decorations or accessories? Are you tired of working in a Pokemon-free zone? Well, now you have at least one way to change that. By stamping your documents with a Pikachu date stamp. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure that most offices don't have much Pikachu going on in them. Hailing from stationery company Showa Note, previously noted for their awesome cardboard costumes and five Pikachu stamps, each with different shapes and designs that come with an either small, medium, or large. Ooh. One out of the two small size stamps, one is round with a scalloped border design called Base, and the other is square with rounded edges called ashiato or footprints. These have a stamp size of 18 by 18 millimeters. Both have smiling Pikachu on the top, peeking over the date. Though the square one has the added accessory of footprints in the bottom right corner, these small stamps sell for... 3,690 yen each, around $35. The medium size, which produces a stamp 24 millimeters long and wide, also comes in a round style called retro and a square style called Denki or electricity. But as you might guess from the names, their designs are a little different from the small stamps. These have Pikachu's whole head on them instead of part of it peeking over the dates. The square stamps also have the Pikachu on the bottom and is accented with a lightning bolt on top. These retail for 4,620 yen each or $45 each. Last up is the large size, which is the Pokeball designed and it's decorated with Pokeballs. This one is oval shaped and da -da 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 -da. the price of this stamp is 
6,160 yen or $60. So you can get a $60 stamp because your office, which is just a workspace for you to get things done, needs a whole bunch of millennial crap inside of it. I worked with a guy in an office in Japan, and he was a millennial dude from from America, from the South, uh, you know, the, and he would bring stuffed animals to work, a grown-ass man. He was like 30, 31 years old, and he would carry around these stuffed lions, and if you touched him, he'd be like, yo, that's not cool. Don't touch my animals. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, maybe somebody needs to use this space. And you're putting all your toys on it at the office. No, it's just millennials sprucing things up. You know, that drab workspace where you go to get things done. Whoa, 60 bucks, huh? No wonder all these people don't want to have kids. They're still kids themselves. Although I'm pretty sure most adults buy these because they're kidults. I'm going to stop talking like that. These are kidults, man. People that grow up as kids and then they don't grow up they just remain kids uh like the boomers still think it's like russia's the enemy maybe they are but it's like that uh, cold war mentality thing giant cars and uh, 50s dances uh the, the outsiders you know some gangs and satanists hunting your children in the forests uh where we all know that those are all half-truths in the year 2023. Yeah, I feel like um, I'm like a, a maximum uh, millennial. I'm, I'm born in 1980. Uh, and depending on where you look, millennials like begin in 1982 or they, you know, begin in 1980. So I'm just at that cusp where, you know, when I was six years old, eight years, the difference between a six-year-old and an eight-year-old with uh, like Nintendo and electronics and stuff like that is quite huge. And, you know, where the availability, the proliferation, the rapid proliferation. So I, I kind of feel like um more Gen Xer in terms of my own lifestyle choices. Because uh, when I see millennials walking around with Pikachu stamps and uh, stuffed animals around the office, I kind of go, those are warning signs. <laughs> like if, you see, if you see some person at night and they're scowling and they're like running around on the streets and, and strange patterns and like screaming at the moon, you'd be like, hmm, that's a person to avoid. That Don't want to be that person. Don't want to be around that person. Let that person be. I feel the same thing with uh, people who stroll up to the seat beside me and unveil a, a, a distraction of, of Pikachu stamps and stuffed animals that they bring into the office and say, gotta spruce things up. It's just a boring old office. Thank you very much. Let's begin with war. Die for the war. Everybody moves. Die for the good. For the good. Die for the war. Die for the war. As we all know, we're heading towards war, whether we like it or not. 
Uh, just like if you're skiing in a beautiful day and you're stuck in an avalanche, well, it's not only you that's stuck in that avalanche. Everything around you is stuck in that avalanche. Or if you're in a group on a boat tour and the weather gets bad and you're heading towards a waterfall, you know, you get the analogy. You're all in this together, just like a stupid pandemic. Well, let's just take a look here because what I have to do here today kind of blew my mind, to be honest. Because I trained myself to analyze information systems and um, how algorithms work. I spent five years at a telecommunications company um, studying uh, AI patterns and markets and teaching them to engineers and things like that. I'm not an AI coder or anything like that. It's just I looked at markets all over the world, the investments and what took off and what didn't. And surveillance is a big part of it and surveillance is information and in order to push people into a war you need to understand how to push them into a war um, it'll work one way with one group and another way with another group but if you can convince those two groups to go to war well hot dang you got a war on your hands and now your industrial military complex can really reap the benefits so a few podcasts ago, uh, I was talking about somebody, his name is um, Elbridge Colby, and uh, he's kind of this um, person, he's the founder of the of the Marathon Institute, I have it all on paper, I'm just going to grab it up here, just going off the dome for the moment, um, and he started appearing on my Twitter, kind of saying, hey, we're too, focusing too much on Ukraine, by we, he means America and all of America's friends. Um, he held a position in American government and defense and he has degrees from like Yale and Harvard, that, that type of dude. And, um, and he was kind of pushing this over and over and over again and, and releasing white papers called sharing the load, which I think is a funny name when he say it out loud, Hey, I want to share my load, but he just means like, um, proliferating America and uh, more uh, more investment on behalf of where America feels threatened by those countries that could potentially fall to a Chinese threat and uh, maybe get into America. That's the way I view it. It's not the way he exactly says it, but that's my analysis. Um. So I've been tracking him and tracking him. And, you know, he posts a lot on Twitter and his followers are like, good. His name is Elbridge Colby and his his followers often say things. Good point, Bridge. I think that, yes. And he'll respond with an arrow and 100% and be like, yeah. And so they're like, they're all in this together. And I followed some um, intelligence operatives, uh, operatives sorry, on Twitter a few times. And um, there's good and bad. Uh, this guy, to me, he's a little bit dodgy. So I'm looking and I see in the Nikkei Asia from one or two days ago, Elbridge Colby has an opinion piece in there. And what's it about? Well, of course it's about funding and protecting and 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 battling uh, with uh, on, on behalf of Taiwan in case China invades it and takes it over. Now I have some theories about this, but. Uh, let me just, I'm going to, I'm going to read you the uh, beginning part of this and then I'll add my own um, information that I managed to find uh, with the help of some other sleuths. And it's not really that much. It just, you have to know how to ask the questions or know what information to get in order to get it. It's not going to come to you, right? So this comes to us from the Nikkei English Shimbum. 
the leading economics newspaper in Japan, but they don't really do a lot of uh, Japanese economics at the moment. So we'll get into that a little bit later as a teaser. And this says, um, China's military buildup shows its ambitions go well beyond Taiwan. No one should believe that Beijing would be uh, sated with the takeover of the island by Elbridge Colby, April 7th, 2023. And this is how the Nikkei introduces him. Elbridge Colby is, is a co-founder and principal at the Marathon Initiative. That's what it is, the Marathon Initiative, a strategic think tank based in Washington. He previously served as U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Strategy and Force Development and is the author of, quote, The Strategy of Denial, American Defense in an Age of Great Power Conflict, end quote. I kind of look at that and go, hmm, yeah, makes sense. You want these people out there. If you're a country like America and you have enough money in your defense systems, you want people tooling around with these ideas. Um, also, this is now how I see it because I looked at his pedigree, his history. His grandfather was a CIA director, literally, and oversaw the Phoenix program in the Vietnam War a program that has been likened to a civilian assassination program. So I'm kind of like, for months this guy has been like, I've been like, okay, I see his point. Something bothers me about him. And I watch him in the videos and things like that. I kind of go, those are some steely eyes you got there, <laughs> Mr. Bridge. Uh, but I listen and I go, yeah, Taiwan should be building up its own um, defense mechanisms. You shouldn't rely on America at the moment. But I also feel like with a lot of these um, uh, American elite types, it's just with the past history of the past 20 years, you know, I grew up with the, you know, everything went from the 90s being pretty, pretty fun and liberal to the 2000s being the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan and da, 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 and now look at it. It was all not good at all. Um, hey, all these hijackers destroyed our Twin Towers in New York. They're from Afghanistan. No, 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 they're not. Well, they're from Iraq. No, 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 they're not. Where are they from? They're from Saudi Arabia. So what are we going to do? We're going to go to Afghanistan. We're going to go to Iraq and we're going to bomb the crap out of it live on TV. And we're going to murder civilians by the thousands and say, oops, sorry about that. But our intentions are pure because we are Americans. And I kind of go, yeah, well, America's done a lot of good stuff in the world, but I'm not sure about these moves and just kind of going, yeah, well, hmm. You got to break a few uh, omelets to uh, overthrow an entire government and replace it with your own and spend trillions of dollars only to have it collapse and have the government that you wanted to overthrow now take over all of your infrastructure that you spent 20 years and trillions of dollars building up so you can go on to the next venture capital back war on behalf of American interests, which we don't know about. And this person, in my view, um, represents some of those future outcomes, which is why we have to pay attention to them because we're involved in the information aspect of leading up to a war. And if you can convince people to go to a war, well, then you get your war, like how I was saying. So but I'm going to look up um, just a little bit more of the Phoenix program. Now, I know that this is just Mr. Bridges' um, grandfather and that he should not, Mr. Colby should not... <laughs> It shouldn't be him that is reflected on this, but, you know, he's 
His, his grandfather was had dealings with the Vietnamese War, and look how that turned out. And now Mr. Colby is over here in East Asia trying to um, tell us what we should be doing. And oh, I agree, a lot of it makes sense. The Phoenix program, and here we go, um, was designed and initially coordinated by the United States Central Intelligence Agency during the Vietnam War. The program, which lasted from 1967 to 1972, was designed to identify and destroy the Viet Cong via infiltration, assassination, torture, capture, counterterrorism, and interrogation. The CIA described it as a set of programs that... The program was heavily criticized on various grounds, including the number of neutral civilians killed. The nature of the program, which critics have labeled as a civilian assassination program, the use of torture and other coercive methods um so we can kind of see that uh it's it's just these things in american culture repeat themselves when they start meddling in other people's cultures and now mr colby is um kind of on a mission to meddle uh with us and again i'm not saying that he's going to create some sort of civilian assassination program. I don't want to say that at all, but that's where his um, uh, pedigree comes from. So I'm just saying maybe we should be uh, be a little considerate of these things. This is the article from the Nikkei Shimbun. There is a great deal of focus these days on whether the U.S. and key allies such as Japan and Australia should commit to defending Taiwan if China attacks it. Many are wondering whether it would not be easier and safer just to cut off Taiwan. It is, after all, a small island that sits close to China and far from America. Um, to cut off, just to cut off Taiwan. So he's kind of framing it up here. You Either you're with Taiwan or you're forgetting Taiwan. But the U.S., Japan, and their allies cannot prudently expect that China would be satiated if they were to abandon Taiwan. Rather, we should acknowledge that China's ambitions reach far beyond the island. And I've edited this document just to take out some of the repetitive stuff. A state development, a state's development of its military is perhaps the most reliable indicator of its future behavior in the international security arena. Fundamentally, this is because developing significant military forces is expensive, requires years of planning and careful implementation, is a top-down, state-led endeavor, and can produce very different kinds of militaries. Already, I'm kind of seeing that this um, writing style, it's convincing, it's not very good, and it's borderline cliche. So I'm not really seeing the, the this big oomph. Uh, I remember seeing really big oomph and balls from uh, retired general, Brigadier General um, Spaulding, Robert Spaulding. Uh, that's a guy you want to kind of uh, be on the board with, but I'm not sure about Mr. Bridge here. The upshot of this is that it is reasonable to infer what a state will seek to do in the future based on the develop development of its military. In this light, the China military is building... Uh, is clearly designed for projecting dominating power well beyond Taiwan. Beijing is developing nuclear-powered submarines, and it goes on to say how much they are doing it. They are um, making deals in the South China Sea Islands, Cambodia, Myanmar, Thailand, Indonesia, Djibouti, the Arab, Arab, United Arab Emirates, Pakistan, Kenya, Sri Lanka, Seychelles, Equatorial Guinea, which is also on the Atlantic coast of Africa. So their network is growing and it's growing strong. And I have some thoughts about this. Just get through this article very quickly here. 
The only other country that has such an expansive military footprint is the U.S. In light of this, let us return to the starting point. If Washington, Tokyo, it's the Japan What Podcast, Tokyo, and their islands abandoned, uh, allies abandoned Taiwan, can we expect Beijing to stop with the conquest of the island? So he's kind of going with this rhetoric, right? Pushing the, we can, if we leave Taiwan alone, will it be okay? China's doing all of this stuff and they're pushing everywhere. If we leave Taiwan alone, will it be okay? The answer is no. And I already, this is my view. If Taiwan doesn't build itself up, screw it. Uh, it can go away. If you, if, you don't, if you don't protect yourself, you shouldn't expect um, Daddy America to come bombing the shit out of you and protect your democracy. Look what happened to Afghanistan. Look what happened to Iraq. Piece of the puzzle that really should worry us is that China will increasingly have the military to go far beyond Taiwan. The upshot is that Washington, Tokyo, and their allies should be prepared to defend Taiwan with the goal of deterring Beijing from attacking by demonstrating that its efforts to subordinate the island would be too likely to fail. So it's posturing, it's saber-rattling. If Beijing cannot seize the island, its forces will still be essentially constrained behind the island chain formed by the Japanese archipelago, Taiwan, and the Philippines. In this context, Beijing will be compelled to negotiate the terms of its further rise on the grounds tolerable to the rest of us. Um, and it just says, we need to build up, we need to build up, we need to build up. So that's kind of the build up to deter. Um, so what about this? Now, I was kind of thinking about this, and it's like, we got the Ukraine thing, and Japan's in the G7 chair. We're the big G7 cock dudes now. And we're like, hey, I'm trying to talk like a cool guy. Kishida doesn't really, Mr. Prime Minister Kishida doesn't really know what to do with Ukraine. Most Japanese people don't. It's a very complex situation that has very little to do with us over here. And now that the Taiwan is the next focus because we have Russia and the Ukraine and that's going to be China and Taiwan. And we're always thinking about it as these military endeavors when it could just be on the part of the um, aggressors, um, territorial claims. I'm not a big person to support changing borders, but those are where those people find themselves. And if you don't protect yourself, then, yeah, your border's going to change. It's kind of how it goes. Um, Canada took it all from the Indians and defended it against the, from against the Americans with the help of the British. That's how it works. Um, if you don't like it, well, you're living under a, 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 such a system wherever you are, wherever you are. But what about this? Now, I kind of view um, Mr. Colby as somebody who is protecting American interests first. I'm not saying he's America first, like some MAGA dude. Um, MAGA dude, uh, great guy. Uh, what, I, what I'm saying is over and over and over again, we have these um, very well-intended intending Americans go all over the world, bomb the crap out of it, and say, well, we were defending democracy and preserving an American way of life, and then they go back home and get a promotion somewhere. So me living in Japan, I don't want us to get sucked into this debate of it's Ukraine and Russia and then Taiwan and China, even though that might be part of it. But as somebody who is trying to protect American interests, he might be trying to protect American global interests, that Navy that, that America has that supposedly keeps us all safe, and to a great extent it does. You can't have these supply chain routes be as solid as they are without having some sort of muscle behind them. That's fine with me. 
I can push a button on Amazon and have a guitar from around the world delivered to my house in a few days. That's pretty sweet. I like that. That's not bad. China's trying to do the same thing, but with um, a new Navy, 5G telecommunications equipment with satellite support, a digital yuan that enables uh, buyers and sellers to access the Chinese market from around the world, and then China can... Um, engage in its own economic vision, whatever it may be. I don't want to be a part of it, but that's a threat to the American interests worldwide where America likes to have their money being used for all these payments, oil, you name it, around the world. If China starts eating that pie, um, America doesn't have much in the way of production anymore, of uh, energy. Uh, it did under Trump, but it's back, gone the opposite direction under Biden. The only thing that's holding American empire up to some people's ideas is that it's the its dollars are used in global transactions. And if China takes that away from them, well, then what's America going to be? So is Mr. Colby defending Taiwan or is he using Taiwan to defend American global interests? And that's where I kind of see him um, doing this. I think that if China makes a move on Taiwan and the world sees it as like this crux of democracy failing to authority, which it might be, um, that is being used as a way to prevent China from expanding its economic interests. So we fall into this whole we're defending democracy thing and then we sacrifice all of our defenses. We go blow everything up. We send all of our men there to die um, to protect American interests. Uh, but I'm not sure what American interests are at the moment. That's the other thing. American culture right now is lunatic batshit crazy. I'm not talking about like right-wing extremists. I hear a lot about them. I don't see a lot of them. I really don't. Uh, I see like, hey, these are extreme MAGA Republicans. And I'm like kind of going, those look like rednecks. I don't really see a problem here. I'm not going to go and party with them or whatever. But um, but with the whole, you know, the whole trans agenda that we see coming out, it's like, okay, that's, that's interesting, but I'm not sure if it's exportable. Is that the future of American culture right now? Cause that's all it seems to be. That's all I'm getting. So a lot of the world is kind of going, well, you have this idea, American, American boomers uh, of this 1950s big car, go wherever you want and be free people. But now we're not seeing that at all. So are we supposed to just blow up all of our own infrastructure so that we get distracted into a war with Taiwan so that it stalls uh, Chinese expansionary aims that is just going to go ahead and do anyways so that America can buy a few years more time to maintain a global hegemony? Is that what we're supposed to be doing here? Because that's the way I see it. A distraction. Um, and uh, where... Uh, we in Asia become these kind of meat curtains of defense to preserve American hegemony, but but we're convinced to go into it as like defending democracy, stopping authoritarianism from spreading. But I don't know the way I see it. The past 20, 30 years, the, the major amount of authoritarian that's been spreading has been China, you know, the Uyghurs and all that, not good. And But also America bombing all these countries all over the world and supplying uh, armaments to to fund wars as well as genocides with you know in Yemen and all that stuff so there, there's there, we're asked to kind of choose between two 
two systems, one that's based on like the idea of democracy and one that's based on the idea of some sort of technocratic um, state, Chinese-backed state. Uh, most people are kind of going for the Chinese way of thinking right now, to be honest, because they look at America and they go, yeah, we don't like where you're going. We'd rather have authoritarianism than whatever the hell you're pushing right now. So that's the kind of the war story. Um, is anything else that I wanted to say? Uh, yeah. So America right now, like I said, it's resting on its laurels and in its place are waves of rights, uh, fringe rights groups, endless wars and a genocracy or whatever it's called of 80 year olds who cling to a version of the world that is fading and won't let the rest of us realize a world without them. Yes. I am in my 40s and I like the idea of a free and open internet and, and being like a, a, a free person with Western values, but for some reason, we keep electing 80-year-olds who are just batshit crazy. And as the great thinker Ding Dong Wang once said, never leave the enemy's room until they know you've deeply smelled their farts. Let's do the economy. Here we go. So Nikkei is the the go-to economics uh, place for the Japan. The Japan. Everybody goes there for the Japan. Nikkei means Japanese economy, essentially. But I was kind of looking around and I couldn't find anything. And then I went to the, the China um, top, the China feed for Nikkei, and um, it was replete with stuff. So there's not a lot going on in the Japanese economy right now, it seems. And these headlines will kind of support that. I'm just going to read off some headlines. We'll do a headline blitz here. Itochu Data helps Yamazaki turn imperfect bananas into cakes. Uh, Japan to subsidize aircraft parts investment as war imperils supply. Components made of titanium alloys crucial to reducing plane weight. Japan manufacturer targets Europe with supersized noodle machine. Philippine U.S. drills, steeped in tradition, Japan's $200 bottled tea inspired by wine. Ueda becomes first Bank of Japan governor from academia in post-war Japan. This has been going on in the news for like months now. What's he gonna do? Ho -ho! Suspected North Korean smuggling ships visited Japan 38 times. Nikkei study. Again, it's a nothing burger. Uh, it just means lax rules allow suspicious vessels to easily enter countries' harbors. You, know, so you read it and it's like, they go, anyways. South J Japan's company leaders can lead by example on disability inclusion. And it shows a guy in a wheelchair going up a ramp. Japan automakers face U.S. supply chain challenges in EV shift. So it's face, right? Uh, Hokkaido seasoning maker invests $1 million in U.S. ramen broth operation. Not bad. Not bad, not bad. But it also, it's like, hmm, okay, that feels like a... Feels like not a Monday thing for an entire country that's supposedly the third largest, you know, economy in the world. This is just looking at the China uh, website on Nikkei Asia, asianikkei.com, location, East Asia, China. Chinese banks ditch bad loans amid property woes. Hundreds of billions of yuan in distressed assets were sold last year. China's job market sentiment still gloomy. China's central bank is now rock of stability in a turbulent world. I would like to know more about that, but you know what it's going to be. 
Macron, Europe should not follow U.S. or Chinese policy on Taiwan. Tesla to build Shanghai factory to make Megapack batteries. Chinese planes cross Taiwan Strait. Baidu, the Google of uh, China, sues Apple, app developers. Uh, China imposes sanctions on Taiwan's U.S. envoy. How China's shrinking population is driving education reform. Airbus to open new China assembly line wins approval to deliver 100 jets. BYD, which is a Chinese electric car company, eyes overtaking Tesla this year as world's top EV maker, which I've been kind of saying about. So we those are two very different feeds. I mean, one is like, hey, we got a noodle machine and some ramen broth. And the other one's like, hey, we got airplanes, we got billions of loans, we got car factories, production lines. These are very two different realities that we are facing right now. And you walk around Japan, you kind of feel it. You kind of feel it. It's pretty good over here, though, overall. But still, regarding the economy, it's 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 bizarre at times. And um, I, I have another kind of example about what why there's not a lot going on in the, in in the Japanese economy right now is because everybody's so um, invested, like suckers who fall for the Nigerian prince scam. I need an account. I need your money. Billions of dollars. I'll get it to you soon. Just help me out. You help them out. And then you're down the rabbit hole of being a sucker. Well, I think that um, a lot of corporate Japan is down the rabbit hole of being a sucker. Um, and I'll just kind of look at this and explain why. NTT, which is a telephone company, and NEC, which is a you know a tech company, um, they have great facial recognition systems. Collaborate to promote a decarbonized society. What does that mean? I'm going to read you this, and you'll have no idea. NTT and NEC have concluded a basic agreement for reducing the environmental impact of business activities and have begun collaborating on the promotion of a decarbonized society. This is Society 5.0. I may as well play this jingle here. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial revolution will... Is Klaus Schwab speak? The outline of the agreement is as follows. Implementation methods and other details will be discussed and promoted following consultation between the companies. 1. NTT Anode Energy will provide 100% renewable energy to the NEC Platform's Fukushima plant, which manufactures 5G base station equipment, with the aim of starting from June 2024. Part of the renewable energy will include power generated from an off-site PPA. I don't know what that is, and they don't explain, as well as green energy sent directly from a power plant. Who knows what that even means? The NEC platform's Fukushima plant will be using renewable energy supplied by NTT Anode Energy to manufacture networking equipment, such as ION products that incorporate cutting-edge energy-saving technologies. Who knows what those are? NTT and NEC will jointly promote initiatives in support of a decarbonized society, including the supply chain. 
<laughs> so I'll just read the NTT strives to improve energy efficiency, reduce both energy consumption and GHG emissions, and requests that its suppliers use renewable energy as much as possible. So that's kind of a, a giant scam. It doesn't mean anything to me. Um, it could mean cleaner stuff, but it doesn't mention doesn't mention anything. So this whole idea of SDGs and decarbonize 2050, isn't it just a giant resource suck? And like if you if you're strapped for time, um, you have like a kid and you're picking them up and you got a job and you have a family and but imagine like if you had to do something like um, what would what would it be like? You had to you had to find time to count two hundred and fifty chairs in a building every day, and you didn't. So you'd have to go. That would be such a time suck on you. You only have so many hours in so many days, right? That's kind of what SDGs are for the corporate world. Like they they believe they have so much time and energy, and they can just do all these things, but. They, it's just it's like middle managers that go to meetings with middle managers to have middle managers tell them what to do at meetings about middle managers. That's that's what this is, and that's what I see a lot of um, the reasons why there's not a lot going on in Japan is that all these major companies are focused so much on a decarbonized society with SDGs, and it's so noble and it's so great, but there's no vision there's you don't know what you're getting you have no idea what it's going to be renewables from a power plant like what does that even mean by 2024 we're going to be sending renewables from a power plant and i go okay to do what manufacturing base stations and 5g you're like okay this is just crazy town and uh, it's one reason why you have uh, Shanghai producing um, Fukushima, not Fukushima, Shanghai, I'm looking at a, a map of Fukushima right now. Well, you have uh, Shanghai producing Tesla packs and, and, and Teslas and all this stuff. And, and in Japan, you're just like, hey, we're going to put an SDG pin in my uh, suit lapel and I'm going to go to a meeting and talk about it. Yeah, so that's Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. The fourth industrial... Is Klaus Schwab speak? Let's do this. Super Gadget of the Week. Fashion model Jessica Michibata released. Boyfriend rearrested on drug possession charge. I don't know anything about famous people. I don't like them. Police in Tokyo have released fashion model Jessica Michibata, who was arrested along with her American boyfriend, thus making it stupid gudgeon of the week, at a Tokyo hotel on March 19th on suspicion of, on suspicion of possessing the synthetic drug MDMA. Michibata, 38, was released, kind of old to be doing MDMA, was released from a police station in Harajuku on Wednesday. But her 46-year-old boyfriend, what, these people sound like losers, Kenneth Cow, although they're pretty rich, has been rearrested. 
Michibara and Cal, who was reportedly a film producer, were staying at a hotel in Rapongi where a package containing the MDMA was delivered to them. It gets dumber. Police said customs officials at Narita Airport in Chiba Prefecture found the stimulants in 15 capsules inside the package, which was sent from the United States. The package was addressed to Cal. Police arrested the couple after the package was delivered to their room. After being arrested, Michibata denied the charge and quoted her as saying she did not know what was in the package delivered to the hotel room. Police said Wednesday that Cow has admitted to having the stimulants sent to him in Japan. <laughs> Imagine being that dumb. I'm a 46-year-old film producer. I'm going to send illegal drugs into a Rapongi hotel room. And I'm going to get high off of MDA and I'm almost 50 years old with a 38-year-old model. This has like dumb, this is kidult stuff like I was talking about earlier. These are kidults. This is something you would do when you're 24 years old. And even then it would be like, you stupid son of a bitch. Don't you know what the fuck you're doing with your life? You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I wanted to get high with a supermodel. How old is she? 21. Yeah, I could kind of see breaking the law to get a hard on a bang a supermodel who's 21 years old all night off of MDMA in Japan. You know how hot that would be? But when you're like in your late 40s and she's 38, I don't know. Hey, we're going to get real high tonight and bang, I'm 50 years old. <laughs> Stupid Gadget of the Week. Stupid Gadget, best G-O-T-W. All right, we got some dumb COVID stuff to do. Coronavirus. The Wuhan flu doesn't kill you. The media panic will. Now do whatever the government tells you to do. This is just more foolishness that's been coming back through um, the information streams about stupid COVID. Again, I'm unvaccinated. Uh, I'm unmasked. Uh, Japan had weak bases for ordering 882 million COVID vaccine doses. This comes to us from the Mainichi. This is all, um, oh, wait, you should support the podcast. Go to MatthewPMBigelow.com or download a Podcasting 2.0 compliant app at Podcasting 2.0. Look for Podverse or Fountain app. Uh, Connect your Bitcoin wallet and send us Satoshis. We are stacking sats and we need your help. You can also go to PayPal, paypal.me forward slash japan wt that's paypal.me forward slash japan wut or you can go to matthewpmbigelow.com and send us some traffic check out the show notes the links and photos related to the show uh please visit and we appreciate you with your great taste all right back to this uh, covid nonsense Tokyo's audit board has requested the health industry, health ministry, provide supporting documentation for contracts with U.S. and British coronavirus vaccine manufacturers after finding a weak basis for ordering 882 million doses in fiscal 2020 and 2021. 
Um, the it, it spent a total of four point two zero four twenty. I'm DMA. Let's get high. Four hundred and twenty four point two zero trillion yen, or thirty two billion dollars, in the two years, with the cost of securing vaccines accounting for two point four zero trillion yen of the amount. In contracts signed between October 2020 and 2022, March 2022, Japan ordered 399 million doses of the COVID vaccine, uh, COVID-19 vaccines from Pfizer, uh, 213 million doses from Moderna, 120 million doses from AstraZeneca, and 150 million doses from Novavax. But only 296 million doses of Pfizer, 83.12 million doses of Moderna, 120,000 doses of AstraZeneca, and 290,000 doses of Novavax have been administrated as of the end of January. Of the remaining 500 million doses, the health ministry concluded a contract in February 2022 to cancel approximately 62.25 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine and donated around 44.03 million doses as overseas aid. The ministry that said that it also reached an agreement with a supplier of the Novavax vaccine by February this year to cancel around 141.76 million doses. Uh, the ministry said it based its estimates on a simulation, oh, AI, that can't never predict the future, that ensured the public could receive the vaccine even if a particular manufacturer failed to deliver. But the audit board criticized the ministry for not including enough validation in its documentation. Quote, we will take into account the points raised and make improvements when signing future contracts the ministry said in response. Wow. So how, wow, $32 billion. And half of that uh, would be $16 billion, right? Nope. Yeah, sure. 16, 15, 15.5, 16. Um, down the tubes, man. It canceled. It doesn't say how much it was refunded or anything. We don't know. Why Why would you order? Oh, we might not get caught. 882 million. The population of Japan is like 119. And you might need two. But then you have to also those, ooh, fleeced like a bunch of suckers. That's what that was. More. Um, this is interesting. Ambulances. I don't think I got to this last time. Ambulance dispatches in Japan hit record high over 7 million in 2022. So as we vaccinated more and more and more, and as even though the, the, the virus got less and less lethal, we saw more and more deaths. And that's because of the virus, apparently. Wink, wink. Yes, get your boosters. Nobody's getting their boosters. Ambulance dispatches. Japan saw a record number of ambulance dispatches in 2022 amid aging population and the COVID-19 pandemic. According to an agency, there were 7,229,838 dispatches. Gotta love Japanese numbers. Up 16.7% from the previous year, the agency cited the preliminary data. The annual figure, this comes to us from gg.com. Great numbers, shitty English. The annual figure topped 7 million for the first time since comparable data became available in 1963. That's not bad. Sorry, GG. 
The number of people taken to a hospital by ambulance last year grew 13.2% to 6,216,909, also a record high. Ambulance demand was boosted by the spread of the novel coronavirus on top of the fast growing of elderly population, the agency observed. We don't, but you know, the vaccinations had nothing to do with it, apparently. You're just not saying it. Of those who use the emergency transport services, 4 million, or oh, I'll read the Japanese number, 4,189,220, or 67.4%, claim to have had sudden illnesses, including possible coronavirus infections. So it's just, oh, it's just always pointing to the coronavirus. General injuries and traffic accidents were the second and third biggest reasons to do so. Yes, we vaccinate over and over and over again, and then we have sudden illnesses. Oh, just like in uh, Alberta, Canada, where unexplained deaths is the major one for a while. And Edward Dowd, a, 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 a Wall Street market analyst, is now saying that vaccine injuries is causing a major decline in American productivity. Uh, all these things, but no, it's always just the stupid fucking virus. Excess deaths doubled in Japan in 2022. COVID-19 may be to blame. Japan had excess deaths of up to 113,000 in 2022, more than double the figure of up to 50,000 the year before. But we vaccinated, according to newly released health ministry statistics, indicating the possibility, this is just a possibility, that COVID-19 directly and indirectly contributed to an increase in the country's mortality rate. Oh, really? Direct. According to estimates compiled by the National Institute of Infectious Diseases, the number of excess deaths, defined as the difference between the observed numbers of deaths in a certain period and expected numbers of deaths in the same period, was between 47,330 and 113,399 in 2022, compared with 11,475 to 50,495 in 2021. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Omicron, which is believed to be less pathogenic, no, pathogenic, sorry, than previous variants of the coronavirus hit older people in Japan particularly hard last year. Doctors have reported many cases of elderly people dying from aspiration pneumonia, which is caused by a lung infection connected to weakened ability to eat and swallowing difficulties such as dysphagia or phagia. Quote, we have seen an increase in the number of deaths in respiratory diseases and senility, Wakita said. This may have been influenced by the spread of the Omicron variant. We need further analysis on this. Globally, the World Health Organization estimates four, estimates 14.83 million excess deaths for 2021 and 2022 combined, 2.7 times more deaths than the 5.24, 5.42 million reported as being caused by COVID-19. Whatever you say, the vaccines were great. They were worth it. And that's why we don't have this virus anymore. Coronavirus. The Wuhan flu doesn't kill you. The media panic will. Now do whatever the government tells you to do. <laughs> Just do whatever the government tells you to do. That's always the best answer. Mm, anything else for today? Hmm, I wonder. Hmm. 
let's continue. We're doing a lot with uh, China today, actually. Why not? This comes to us from ZeroHedge.com. And I'm going to play this one because it's pretty strange. Weird Corner. So we all know that the mRNA vaccines um, could be a gene therapy. That's how they're marketed frequently. Um, and that could, it's supposed to not affect your DNA. Supposed to, but we don't know. When they say no, then it's like, yeah. They're like, no, never conspiracy. Then it's like, yeah, yeah, deal with it. What are you going to do? Like, no, no. Yeah, actually, yeah, totally. That's the way it is. But you said, dang, well, did I? You just heard all the nouns and verbs. You didn't hear the might-haves and the could-haves and the should-haves and the likelies, and it seems to be. Because we consult with our lawyers. Everything we say is crafted by lawyers. Craft lawyers. Unprecedented Chinese genetic experiment may lead to army of radiation-resistant super soldiers. Reports out of China continue to confirm that scientists are still seeking to push through barriers with Frankenstein-like experimentation on genes with an eye toward the manipulation of the human DNA. Any and all ethical considerations be damned what could go wrong. The Hong-based South China Morning Post has a doozy of a headline out this week based on a breakthrough announcement by a team of scientists linked to the Chinese military working in Beijing. The Chinese team behind extreme animal gene experiment says it may lead to super soldiers who survive nuclear fallout. <laughs> the project was first unveiled in the Chinese language journal Military Medical Sciences and has been gaining more and more media attention and interest with the sci- within the scientific community, but is also raising serious ethical quandaries, despite the experiment being defended by its overseers as totally legal. According to details, the military scientists say they successfully inserted a gene from the microscopic water bear into human embryonic stem cells and significantly increased these cells' resistance to radiation. They said success in this unprecedented experiment could lead to super tough soldiers who could survive nuclear fallout, SCMP writes, the South China Morning Post, the initiative involved the experimental introduction uh, into human DNA using embryonic cells of a key gene found in the water bear. The gene in question gives the microscopic creature rare resistance to radiation and other extreme environmental effects. Um, these are called uh, tardigrades. Tardigrades? Tardigrades are tiny, cute, and virtually indestructible. The microscopic, microscopic animals are able to survive in a pot of boiling water, at the bottom of a deep-sea trench, or even in the cold, dark vacuum of space. In August, an Israeli spacecraft carrying tardigrades uh, as part of a scientific, uh, scientific experiment crashed on the moon, and scientists believed they may have survived. 
Having isolated the tardigrades gene capable of producing shield-like proteins, which can protect against radiation and other harms, the Chinese team said it, quote, found a way to introduce this gene into human DNA using CRISPR-Cas9, a gene editing tool now available in most biolabs. In their laboratory experiment, nearly 90% of the human embryonic cells carrying the water bear gene survived a lethal exposure to X-ray radiation, according to the team led by Professor Yue Wen uh, with the Radiation Biotechnology Laboratory at the Academy of Military Sciences, Beijing. The report continues. Um, and it goes on and on and on. So as we can see, if you're in Japan and you're, and you're curious about Japan and the Japan Web podcast... We have these um, local elections that have been going on. It's like we have the hemp party. We have the innovation party. We have the the leading party, and they're all kind of saying, we need more women, and that's true. We need more women. We do. Uh, and we need this, and we need that, and we need the other thing. But when you compare what's going on in Japan at the moment, it, it, we're right next door to China. Do you think that just building up a military is enough? Probably not. We got to get rid of the SDGs. We got to get rid of this climate cult that's seeping in from the um, elites that are interconnected with the West right now that believe that they're, you know, half stepping towards some sort of utopia that's never going to exist. It's stupid. It's like saying, we got to get off this boat. It's polluting. You're like, yes, I agree. This this boat is polluting. Let's go to this boat. They're like, no, we don't have another boat. We're just going to jump off this boat and transition, and then we'll get to the next boat. Or you're like, where's the boat? And they're like, no, no, no. We jump off the boat. We transition. They're like, but there's... Well, this boat's polluting. I don't like it. Yeah, me neither. This pollute. This boat is polluting. We got to get off. It's like, yeah. Well, then where's this boat? What's this next boat? Uh, we don't have a next boat, but we got to jump off this boat and transition. It's like, well, I don't know about that. I'm gonna stick on this boat, and and uh, maybe another boat will come along. I don't know. Um, but then at the same time, other boats are being built all around the world, and it's not just people convincing other people to jump off a boat into a dream world. Uh, countries like China are building their own future. And in Japan, I don't see it. So we need to get away from the dream world and focus on what's in front of us. Uh, and I'm ready to help. Let's let's build some English classes and, and build up the skills and lessons that we need to uh, facilitate smooth communication to make this all happen. Because that's what I do. That's what I'm good at. Uh, but... If we're just going to be sitting here in circles with middle managers talking to middle managers about middle managing, we're not going to get anywhere. And I'm not even saying that China's the ideal. I don't really like what's going on over there. Scares the crap out of me. But we should take our military into consideration, turn every Japanese island into the so-called porcupine. Just put a hundred missiles on every island, doesn't matter where it is, and say, you approach us, we launch. And then focus on, you know, building up those walls so we can keep our own craziness inside. You have been listening to the Japan Boy Podcast. My name is Matthew pmbigelow.com. It's also where you can go and find everything you need to get this website. We are on podcasting 2.0 compliant apps. Get them now while you still can and enjoy a free and open internet and work towards it because it's not going to build itself. We need to build it together. Together.
素敵だ。